It is the Open Micers Podcast Episode 2. I guess I could play some music here. Some of that smooth metal. Yeah. Listen to it. Throw up the devil horns. Yeah. My name is Jason Robbins, and my co-host is... Jacob Craig, motherfucker. Yeah. And we have a, an old friend and one of my best friends on the planet, award-winning comedy writer himself, Mr. Wally Phelps. Hello. Hi. How are I'm things? Awesome. Uh, I'm going to start off with a rant tonight, guys. You ready? Beautiful. Ah, here we go. So, uh, you know, we get the stimulus check. Have you guys gotten your stimulus check yet? Yes. Did, did you... I'm not getting one. I'm oh, in college. Not... Oh yeah, you don't pay taxes because you're you're worthless. Um... I fucking <laughs> filed taxes and they and they said I wasn't eligible. Wow. Well, I got my twelve hundred dollars stimulus check a few weeks ago, and the minute I got the check, my stupid car said, "Oh, wouldn't it be great if your passenger window motor went out?" So okay. Cause I was thinking, you know, twelve hundred bucks. I'm gonna go get. I've, I've been wanting a TV for my bedroom. I have an old CRT television that I play my uh, games and my old retro games and stuff on. But I want like an actual like new TV so I can watch some like you know Netflix and stuff on it. Because the TV I have upstairs is like it has a DVD player and a VCR built in. Like that's how old it is, <laughs> and it's a nice TV, but it, it you know it's not flat screen. It's like you know, it's old. So I wanted a new TV, and I was just thinking maybe I could go to Walmart or something and get me like a thirty-two inch, hundred and twenty dollar Vizio. That would be nice, a little Vizio smart TV for the bedroom. I'm like that would be cool. So I get the stimulus check, and immediately my freaking car says, oh. I'm gonna go ahead and break the uh, the the motor in the passenger side window. Guess how much that costs cost to fix? Just take a guess. Twelve hundred dollars. Twelve hundred dollars. Close. Six hundred and fifty dollars. Six hundred and fifty dollars to get fixed. So I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna panic because I still have a little over five hundred dollars left. I can still go get a TV and have a little bit left over as like a nice little cushion for things that, you know, like, so I wouldn't have to worry about money so much. Guess what happened a few days ago? My fucking car said, you know what else would be great? How about your right front tire anti-lock brake system sensor goes out? You know how much that costs to fix today? Four hundred four hundred and twenty seven dollars. Fuck you, car. I fucking hate you. I'm going to drive you off a motherfucking bridge. That's what's going to happen. I am so angry right now. Like Murphy and his law can just go like kiss my ass, man. Seriously. Rant over. I, I guess you could. I don't know, go fishing, chop some trees, sell some stuff to the Timmy and Tommy. If only, if only I could go pick up sticks and, and, and around the apartment complex, 
maybe catch <laughs> maybe catch some snails, a couple of butterflies, and make like half a million dollars. That'd be great, right? But no, it, like real life doesn't happen like that. I'd rather go play chores, the video game, which is what Animal Crossing is. Don't you want to give me two hundred and fifty dollars for ten pairs? Yeah, <laughs> here are ten sticks. Here's a bundle of ten sticks. I'll take four hundred dollars, please. <sighs> Here's a bag of weed. Yeah, could you please? <laughs> Oh, please God. take these off my hands. So how is your... you know what? Somebody should make once once you can do this, start going into pawn shops with like clumps of weeds and shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh can I turn some turnips in for five hundred dollars each, please? <laughs> Just walk so what are your turnip prices today? I want to walk into Haney's pawn shop in in Iberville, be like, what are your turnip prices today? <laughs> I would like to trade some turnips for a Glock. <laughs> so uh, let's start off with our guest. Wally, how has your week been, my friend? Oh, it's been rough. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, it, it's getting progressively better, so that's good. That's um, good. I mean, I've been working. Uh, I work from home now. And, uh, which is great because, uh, I don't have to wear pants and it's, uh, or shower, brush my teeth, mm. use deodorant. <laughs> um, I don't have to eat healthy, uh, fit in and out of my car. Mm. Uh, <laughs> lots of, it's pretty nice. And you know, I haven't been doing that much driving lately. All I have to do is just go to work. Like it's like literally a quarter mile to work, and my car is falling apart. What is happening? Right? Well, okay, <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. All I do, all I do, is grocery pickup now. So anytime I'm on the road, that's what it is. And the last grocery pickup, I decided, you know what? I'm going to check and see whether or not there's a. Uh, better selection at the Pops Ferry, Walmart neighborhood market, and there is. Pro tip. Hmm. And I'm driving there and on the way back from Biloxi, check engine light. (laughs) (sighs) I haven't driven. like, Like, I filled up. I've only gotten gas once in probably four months. Yeah. I think I've gotten gas twice since like February. Yeah. Once. I think I don't have a car. Yeah. <laughs> how many how many times has your mom filled up, Jake? I'm getting gas. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> hey, I'm too fucking poor for a car, dude. College is rough. I know. College in twenty twenty. People give millennials a lot of shit, man. But it's fucking expensive. I have yeah. no money. That's why I didn't go. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking about dropping out, dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got one degree already. I have a degree coming in the mail. That might be the only one. 
The only degree I had at your age, I was allergic to, and I had to switch to Old Spice. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, Rampage in the chat room says motors aren't cheap. He had a guy open the door, put a piece of two-by-four to hold it up on his old car. <laughs> Perfect. Well, you know, I, I, during my stand-up, I have the joke about how the belt kept on squealing. Yeah. And I did the uh, the grown-up thing and spent the $500 for stereo loud enough where I wouldn't have to hear that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of adulting and car maintenance and payments and shit. Right. I just, I don't want to be really rich. I just want to be rich enough where I don't have to worry about whether or not I can afford the next quarterly maintenance on my vehicle. Yeah. I signed up for and a, that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. And that's where we differ, Wally. Because <laughs> I want to be Scrooge McFucking Duck Rich. <laughs> well, the thing with me is that whenever I drive by a, a house, a nice house with a nice vehicle in the front, with and it looks like everybody's nicely dressed and everything, you know what? I, I always think, think the same thing. What the hell do you do? To no. make yeah. that kind I'll of tell money you, in Mississippi. I tell you what I think, because in my neighborhood, there's all kind of nice houses and stuff, and I see people with nice, expensive cars and nice, expensive clothes on when they're getting ready to go to work in the morning. The first thing I think is that motherfucker's miserable. <laughs> oh yeah. See, I want to be like Kid Rock, right? Kid Rock has millions of dollars and lives in a fucking trailer because yeah. he lived in a mansion and he was like, "It's so much work to change a light bulb in a mansion. I'm just gonna live in a trailer and have a shitload more money." Right. I mean, and that's really what where I would come from. I wouldn't have like a giant house that I couldn't take care of. Um, yeah. A friend of ours was talking about. How, you know, a friend of theirs has this giant house and it is disgusting. <laughs> it's, it's not, <laughs> you, you, from the outside, it's like, wow, these people have money and they do. But you go inside and there's like dust on everything, dog shit all over the floor. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not the, the best. Yeah, man, a house that big, you have to hire somebody to come clean. Like, yeah. There's no way that right. two people are going to be able Dude, to clean all that house. No, you, you have to have staff. I live in a town. Yeah. I live in a one-bedroom townhouse, and I contemplate getting a, a maid <laughs> every week because I don't want to <laughs> clean it. That's how I am. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you know, that cat is putting that litter all over the goddamn floor. I don't want to vacuum again. Yeah, exactly. I got two cats and two litter boxes, and most of the time, I'm just like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent a lot of money trying to figure out what is the most absorbent and and long lasting kitty litter. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, what is easy to clump up where I don't have to change the thing entirely every week? Arm and Hammer. Arm and Hammer is the best. It's not. <laughs> the. The one I found is literally called World's Best Cat Litter. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I use that, too. In the red bag. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's really good, but it's really expensive. It is, but you don't have to buy as much. Yeah, true. This is the talk... loneliest conversation. <laughs> I don't want to talk it about It really cat is. Let's it talk, is. Let's really talk is. about your... 
Let's talk about your kitty litter. <laughs> let's talk about your comedy career, Wally. Uh, let's start. Uh, what I made? Have one of those. Yeah, you've you've all, you've got a comedy career longer than me. So shut up. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> what inspired you? Because we both tasted a bit of comedic success with with Monsters Anonymous and. You know, we won some uh, best uh, best uh, comedy uh, screenplays and all that kind of stuff for short films and all that kind of stuff. So that's where the award-winning comedy writer Wally Phelps comes from, is that, you know, we we both wrote a movie and it won some awards and it, it felt right. good. So And tell everybody, like, where you kind of got your start. Well, I mean, so where I was inspired, I mean, just watching stuff <laughs> you know so i mean comedy is a muscle that i wanted to flex for a long time because all of my favorite movies were comedies growing up like ghostbusters and uh you know i hate to say this caddyshack 2 mm-hmm. <laughs> not the first one second one. and uh just just comedies in general but as far as stand-up is concerned uh <laughs> Jerry Clower. <laughs> I used to like Jerry Clower too. Right. He was a huge influence on young Wally. Uh, Bill Cosby, which I feel bad about now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, who that, that uh, chasing Cosby podcast is a tough sit fellows. Um, the, uh, Oh, the first special I think I actually sat down and watched was Bill Cosby himself. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I thought, well, that is what com- comedy is. You know, somebody sits down and tells you about their life, and it's funny. Yeah. And then my dad was buying those Jerry Clowers tapes from gas stations, and I didn't realize that was the same thing until much later. Uh, because it's a totally different style. Yeah. And that had me going out and looking for other examples of that. So whenever it was hard, whenever we were younger to find stand up comedy, uh, in this area, because we didn't have live shows or anything like that. So whenever comedy central started, like, uh, uh, those, uh, comedy central presents and things of that nature, that's when you started watching, uh, seeing other comedians that you never would have seen before, and you're like, okay, so this is a thing people get paid for. This is a job. Yeah, and that's where I, but where I came up with the idea. You know, I want to do that one day. And like I said, I live here, so there's nothing. There was nothing around that allowed you to do that. There were no open mics. Uh, and if there were, I never heard of them. And I also was unaware that you could actually go out and make them. <laughs> you know, I was unaware that it was an option to go out knocking door to door saying, hey, I do comedy. Will you let me do comedy? Because I'd never done it before. I, was, I wasn't going to be that bold. And one day we saw, I saw, I think you saw at first a message saying, hey, uh, the Irish Coast Pub is doing an open mic. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I said, you know what? Let's go check it out. Um, see what what it's like. And we went up there. And I didn't expect to go up 
until you said I didn't drive all the way to Gulfport for you not to do comedy. <laughs> so completely unprepared, I went up and did three minutes. Yeah, but you did. <laughs> you did great though. I did, and that was what really was like. You know, I had nothing prepared. I went up, which is how I do stuff now. You know, yeah. Uh, if I have something new, I'm just like, that's funny. I'll mention it on stage, see how it works. But that was the first time I ever did anything. And it was a really good open mic. There were a lot of people there. Derek Copswell was the, the host. And uh, we got like a group photo at the end. And people were asking me how long I had been doing comedy. I'm like, it's, it, 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 it was great. I felt like I was a part of something bigger. So I kept going. Yeah. And so that's that's really the the humble beginnings, so to speak. They're still yeah, humble. So, so in a lot of ways, Jason is responsible for your start in comedy. Yeah. That is <laughs> true, yes. Yeah. And is it correct that you're possibly responsible for my start in comedy? I wouldn't would say that, that. Would that be fair to say? I would say it's really uh, Mark's because it was his shindig. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, he asked to... permission. <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah. would, "Would it be cool if my friend goes up?" And I'm like, "Yeah, why not?" I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, my brother got me the show because he's friends right. with um, Touch Biloxi. Right. But... I mean, I was just some dumb kid that went up there and I froze like halfway during the set. <laughs> and I I knew it was something I wanted to do long term. But right. I, I'm so competitive. That's like I have to pick a goal to strive for. And I looked at you and I was like, OK, in my opinion, Wally was the best. And I think and I had never met another comedian before in my entire life. So I was like, OK. So this is literally the best comedian I know. So I'm going to keep going until I'm as good as him. Wow. I didn't know that. Uh, that, that means a lot. Uh, yeah. I, well, I was trying to, I was trying to beat you, but you know, <laughs> well, you went on first. It's hard to, to beat someone. You don't know what you're up against. You know what I'm saying? It, it And plus I had like four times as much time as you did. Uh, yeah, exactly. Something like that. Uh, I know you didn't do a whole lot of time. Uh, I can't remember the exact amount. I know I did 30 minutes. And I really didn't have 30 minutes of material strung together like I would today. Uh, but then, you know, I'm like, well, I have 30 minutes worth of jokes. I don't have a 30 minute set. I'm just going to string them all together until I'm done. And. Uh, and that was, and believe it or not, I hadn't been doing comedy at that point for a while, and I don't remember. I don't remember why. Well, do you remember what year this is? This was January twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Okay, so so this is so now I know what it is. Uh, I was doing stand up, and about when Monsters came out of. Uh, something happened in the comedy community that I got blamed for. <laughs> hmm. 
to a point. And it made it to where there were friends of mine that were up against other friends of mine. And I'm like, I don't want to be in the middle of this, so I'm just not going to do comedy anymore. And I will just focus on screen, on writing screenplays. So during that time frame, that's when somebody, I, th- I think Touch Biloxi actually asked people, who do you know that does comedy in, in the Biloxi area? And somebody pointed him in my direction. And I'm like, well, I haven't done it in like a year, but I'll do it. Because I have this rule. If somebody asks me to perform, I say yes, if I can do it. Yeah. Like, if there's nothing conflicting, I will do it. So he asked me, I said, yes, I haven't done it in a year. Are you sure? And he said, yes. And I, so I went and did it because, you know, he wasn't paying me. So I wasn't too worried about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the show that I actually did my first set. <clears throat> it was. It was. Yeah. Me and you debuted yeah. on the exact same show, <laughs> literally found- one minute apart. I found my uh, set list, and I'm pl- I plan on giving it to Jacob. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna frame it. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it has it has all, everybody performing written at the top of it, and and the set I was planning on doing. <laughs> and see, it, it was the re- it, you know you uh, actually doing the the stand up before Wally and having the guts to do it is what kind of got me, you know, to do it too because. I, I always liked stand-up comedy. I always kind of had fantasies of being a stand-up comedian, but I don't know. I always considered myself more of a comedic writer and not like a joke writer. Like, you know, I I, I won like a state essay contest when I was in college for like a, a comedic short story and like all the stuff that me Fucking and you write good. is always seems to be, uh, you know, comedy-based and... I don't know. I just I always felt like I, I wasn't much of a joke writer until I started right. doing the comedy and then lo- at learning pretty much like on the job training of how to actually like I don't know form a joke out of the the little stories that you know that I can come up with. And that's what it is. It's carving. It's taking a story or or in some cases taking a joke and. and writing a story around it yeah, to a point where it's a lot like sculpting. You cut out everything you don't need to make it what you want it to be. Yeah. And that's uh, something that you don't get with writing. You get it with writing to a point, like, like just screenwriting and whatnot, where, you know, you write it and then you rewrite it and then you rewrite it. But with, with a stand-up, it's different. You write it, perform it, rewrite it, <laughs> and then you know and the you thing, can't shoot a movie like. Well, and the thing too, like <laughs> you go back and and look at some of the older scripts that that you know that we had done together, and and some of the stuff we had written together over the years. And it's like most of our stuff was more visual comedy than anything. Well, yeah, for the for for the, the scripts, yeah. yeah. Well, because the thing is. With screenwriting, I think we both had the understanding that uh, film is a visual medium, so we have to do something that is pleasing to the eye. Like, and the very first comedy I ever wrote, which was movie the motion picture, <laughs> based off of based on the <laughs> based on the the novel book, the official novelization of movie the motion picture, now a major motion picture. <laughs> 
it, there was a chase sequence uh, at the end of the movie. Uh, actually, no, it was at the middle of the movie where we're being chased by the cops and the bad guys. And we stumble upon a, a, uh, a car show where they have all of the, the classic movie cars just on display. And we steal the General Lee from the Dukes of Hazzard. And we are being chased by the Batmobile, the Back to the Future DeLorean, the Ecto-1A kit, and about 70 police vehicles. In the middle of the chase sequence, the Back to the Future car hits 88 miles an hour and disappears. And as we're driving, the song... <laughs> the next to be with you by Mr. Yeah. <laughs> Big starts playing on the radio and the chase sequence just stops and it turns into this elaborate dance sequence with the cars with all of us singing Mr. Big's just to be the next to be with you. And then the, as soon as it's over, it's like nothing happened. The chase continues. A train is going across. We're going to jump the train because we're in the, the general league. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, there's this whole conversation like, uh, you know, we're going to jump the train. We're not going to make it. Yes, we will. I've seen this show a dozen times. But the Duke boys didn't have 400 pounds of me in the back seat. And, <laughs> you know, and then they, they try to jump the train and they land on top of it. And the train carries them away. <laughs> and everybody's like, holy shit, the, the train just carried them away. And as they're doing that, the Back to the Future car comes back and crashes into a tree in the background. <laughs> and none of that would work if I just tell the story on stage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not that's not how that works. But if you watch that in the movie, I think that it would be very funny. <laughs> we were gonna, and you didn't have the you didn't have the budget to make this. Yeah, I was gonna say that was gonna be the right. most expensive movie <laughs> ever made at that point. Honestly, that was the most expensive part. That and crashing the train, the plane into uh, into the pizza restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> then we were we were gonna make a second movie called uh, Sophomoric Effort Doomed to Failure. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the sequel to Moving the Motion yeah. Picture, now a major motion picture. You know all that. <laughs> uh, uh, good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but it's so much different writing. You know, comedy stories like comedy short stories, comedy uh, scripts, and and just it's a whole different animal writing jokes. And I, I don't what kind of like I want to ask you, especially you, Jacob, because you come up with probably the most uh, uh, egregious <laughs> jokes out of the three of us. Uh, <laughs> what's your what is your process for for joke writing do you come up with a punchline first or do you just kind of have a an idea or like what kind of what's the process everything man like i mean you can you can do it any way like sure if you come up with a cool punchline like dave Chappelle does that he did it in one of his specials where he'll like put impossible punchlines in a bowl yeah. and create a joke to get to that punchline but with me personally, I just, I don't know, my brain's like real fucked up and I just come up with uh, weird ideas that I think would be funny, basically. Yeah. I don't know. I have like an entire memo in my phone that's like a mile long of stand-up ideas 
that no one's ever going to hear probably. Right. And that's one of the things, that's one of the hallmarks of a stand-up, I think, is the notebook full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> that look that looks like a serial killer's manifesto. Yeah. You know, yeah. a bunch of disconnected thoughts and ideas that might go somewhere but normally doesn't. You know, it, it's I, I wish I knew where mine were because <laughs> that's not that's not how I write anymore. And uh, I probably should because I know that I'll think of something that I think is funny right before bed and completely have it out of my mind by the next day. Yeah, because I tend to use like, <clears throat> you know, just like the moleskin type journals and just they're just filled with the, the insane ramblings of uh, a weirdo. Like. <laughs> If, when they find the, these books after my death, they're going to think I was just completely insane. I was looking through my uh, one of my notebooks to see how messy it was. Guys, I'm clean as fuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, just so, I'm so good at this stand-up thing, dude. I don't cross anything out, you know? <laughs> I know. I know. Sometimes I'll... I'll read a line or a punchline or something and go, where was this going? <laughs> what yeah. Was, what is the point of this? I did that the other day, dude. I, I've been writing bits like crazy since this thing started. Mm. And this was like towards the end of my memo. So I did this recently, like within the last couple of days. And it was literally gibberish. <laughs> like I had no fucking idea what i was getting at i have done that so many times over the last year or so and do you have you guys seen that seinfeld episode where he wakes nope. up in the middle of the night oh dude there's this one great episode of seinfeld <laughs> where he wakes up in the middle of the night and writes something on a post-it note like he wakes up oh, he wakes uh, up laughing and, one, yeah. and he writes yeah. it on a post-it note and puts it leaves it on the, the dresser. He wakes up the next morning, he's just like, What does this mean? And I'm like, I, I do the same thing. Like I'll write yeah, these little you. like something will hit me as funny, like at work or something, or like even in the middle of the night or like just whenever and I'll like put it in the memos or I'll write it down or something and come back later and I'm like I have no idea what this means. It's just like it's a non. It's just like some sentence. That's just like a non sequitur. It's just like what is? I this? literally did the same thing the other day, but on Facebook. Like I am half asleep. I'm going to sleep, and I posted on Facebook just like this random thing, and I, I no one commented or reacted, which is weird. <laughs> Because it just was so, like, what is this? It was it was about softball. And the idea is that this, like, a super villain who coaches Little League softball for his daughter. <laughs> that was the idea. Because I'm like, you know, there are those super serious dads who are like, you know, if you don't play to win, why are you playing type of guy? Yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, wouldn't it be hilarious if that was Skeletor? <laughs> you know, <laughs> we are going to destroy him this evening. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. You boob. <laughs> you boob. They were running the third. <laughs> oh, man. But um, we're actually 
getting up to the end of the show, guys. We've been, uh, we've been hauling ass in this one. Yeah. And uh, was there anything else that you wanted to bring up, Jacob, before we uh, we get leave here tonight? Are yes. we supposed to do uh, our top five? Yeah. Are we, to do we are. We'll do that at the end, but uh, I wanted to talk about what you're writing and working on right now, Wally, during the quarantine. Oh, well, I mean, so I bought a new computer specifically to start writing. And like the day I got the computer, I finished the the uh, nest egg, which is a kind of a crime. Like uh, the way I was writing it, I wanted we wanted a Breaking Bad if everyone's an idiot. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. So so that's what I wrote, and I, like a few people have read it. Jason has read it, and I let uh, another friend of mine read it because I'm like, is it like I did this in like three hours? Is this okay? <laughs> and uh, both of them came back like, I really want to know what happens to that little boy. So <laughs> it's, I, I'm, I'm kind of excited to to be like, oh, oh, that's a good idea, <laughs> and expand it into a feature. Yeah. Uh, there's other stuff I've been working on. Uh, there's a project that involves a supervillain who is a softball coach. <laughs> no there's other stuff I'm, I'm wanting to sit down and actually start writing it's just you know nothing nothing fully formed yet so it, it, it's just basically loose ideas but eventually that turns into something so I'm I'm excited to uh, go and I'm also thinking about rewriting uh, one of the features that I had to kind of tweak it for the post-COVID discussion yeah <laughs> so that'd be nice yeah i feel like that kind of thing's gonna dominate the film and television industry like right. immediately like right after the bp oil spill like as soon as it happened there were documentaries about the bp oil spill yeah it's gonna be the same exact thing like there's gonna be so much like satire <laughs> about this whole thing i've thought about it too honestly but writing like a like a post-apocalyptic uh world where it's like anytime anyone gets six feet close to you they just fucking get shot where it's it's like mad max. like mad max but with germs yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh i wanted to do a movie I, I wanted to write a movie that could be filmed by zoom <laughs> it's just yeah just not like a long movie i think nobody would have time for that but you know a uh, a nice short that's funny, and I've seen a couple of really clever things. Uh, there, it was on the BBC page. They had, uh, uh, oh god, I can't think of his name. Well, never mind. Some Doctor Who actors uh, were uh, doing uh, this <clears throat> this thing where you know it's te- it's a telehealth uh, thing, and it's like. Uh, are you a doctor? You should. You're way too close to your computer. You should be six feet away from me. Because like that's not. No, that's not how this works. Like that. It was pretty funny. So I was like, you know what? I'd like to write something like that. See how that goes. Yeah. Ooh. Ghost. Ghost. <laughs> What 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 top five are you were you guys doing tonight? Because I didn't even know. 
I told you we're doing our top five comedy writers. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Are you just gonna you just gonna make it up on the spot? Yeah, pretty much. All right. Uh, yeah. Who do you want to start with uh, number five? Uh, let the, let the guests go first. Well, all right. Let me, let me pull up my list real quick. Okay, number five. Uh, Mindy Kaling. <laughs> okay. Uh, the the reason why I chose her is because most of my favorite episodes of The Office were written by her. Like yeah. the injury, for example. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with with the show. Um, I think Jacob is, yeah. but the episode where Mike Michael burns his foot on his George Foreman grill. Yeah. Uh, was hers. Uh, the episode where Pam and Jim get married, spoiler alert, for a show that's been off the air for over a decade. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, she, the the shows that she wrote, you can tell whenever her and BJ Novak left the show, it became a lot worse. Yeah, <laughs> so, sure. so you can tell that their presence was definitely missed in the writer's room. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, my number five is actually Tina Fey. Uh, nice. She, yeah, she gets a lot of credit as a comedic actress, but not a lot of people know that she was head writer for SNL during what I think is probably their best period, where you had you know guys like Sudeikis, Hater, Fallon, fucking killer lineup, and Tina Fey was heading it all up. She was doing the Weekend Update pretty much the entire time she was there. And also, Thirty Rock is like the most underrated sitcom ever, in my opinion. Thirty Rock right. is really solid. It's as solid as The Office and Parks and Rec, but doesn't get as much uh, attention as those two. So, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it has it's a entertainment based, and normies don't like that as much as we do. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I'm right there with you. Yeah, uh, what's uh, what's your number five, Jason? That you're gonna make up real quick? <clears throat> no, number my number five is I don't know if you, if you guys have ever heard of this guy. He was he died I think in the late '80s or early '90s, but he was a comedy <clears throat> like um, journalist writer. Wrote a bunch of books. He was a Southern writer, and his name was Louis Grizzard. Have you ever heard of him? Oh. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I have a lot of his books and stuff from back. My dad used to love him when I was a kid, and I used to read his books too. And um, I still remember a lot of the uh, the the <clears throat> you we could go to. Do you remember uh, Walden books and stuff like that when I when it, back in the mall when you were a kid? Well, I remember going there like one Christmas to get some books or something, and they were giving away free Louis Grizzard like soft cover. Um, little books that he was giving away. And I remember I read those cover to cover a bunch of times when I was a kid. And I read a, a bunch of his other books that my dad had. So he's just a Southern writer. If you've never heard of him, go check out some of his stuff. Um, is really, I don't know, just kind of a, kind of his own voice uh, about a lot of stuff about like, you know, being middle-aged and single and divorced and like a lot of his stuff, oh. like, I really understand now <laughs> as, a, as a middle-aged divorced man. 
So, you know, like that's, I, I really liked his stuff. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now I feel like I should have put Dave Barry on my list, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Big Trouble was a really good book, but the movie's garbage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mine number four is Kevin Smith. I love Kevin Smith. Yeah. <laughs> I would lick his butt hole. <laughs> no, I that's not true at all. Um, he, but uh, no, he's one of the reasons why I got into comedy to begin with. Also, you know, after watching Mallrats, I remember saying to myself, I can make a movie like this. <laughs> and, and I tried. And it even had <laughs> Brian O'Halloran in it, just like Mallrats did. Yeah. And uh, it, it was uh, just a relentless number of movies that I really love that are really funny. But not only that, but the Clerks animated series is one of my favorite pieces of animation. Uh, the whole... Uh, I know... Who's he, driving? Uh, oh my God, Barrett's driving. How can that be? <laughs> yeah. Now, he didn't write that part, believe it or not. But uh, the but the but one of the most hilarious uh, episodes is where the deadly Motabo virus was, supposedly. Yeah. And they had to quarantine the quick stop. Mm-hmm. And the scene, Randall walks into the quick stop as the uh, two agents are there. And he's like, uh, how's it going, guys? Have you already put Dante's body on the pie? Oh, Dante. You're alive. You're alive. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> it's just, I, I say that so much. Oh, oh, my God. You're alive. Me and Wally say that stuff to each other for the last 20 <laughs> years. Like, oh, Wally, you're alive. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> you so, guys are uh, so fucking old. <laughs> right, we are. <laughs> so what's your number four, Jacob? Uh, my number four is Larry David. Uh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I, I'm not really a fan of Seinfeld. Like, I've watched Seinfeld. It's okay. I've never seen Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I respect the drip. I understand that Larry David is one of the best comedy writers to have ever lived. So even though I don't enjoy his work personally, I understand he's one of the best in the game, and I can't hate on him for it. So yeah. not, my number four is Larry David. Um, I was going to save this one for higher up, but since it, uh, Wally already said it, Kevin Smith, like I love Kevin Smith. I love his movies. I love his books, love his podcast, love his, uh, his stand up, all that kind of stuff. So he's just, he's really prolific and a voice of, you know, mine and Wally's generation, the Gen Xers. Yeah. Uh, I'm 80s, 80s nerds. Yeah. I'm a zennial, thank you. <laughs> well, I am too. <laughs> I was born in 80. <laughs> thank you. So what was your number three, Wally? Uh, number three is Mel Brooks. Yes. Uh, Mel Brooks. Wow. I don't even know if I have to even talk about it. Why but, are you copying uh, mine? <laughs> <laughs> we have the same influence. I know. It's not fair. Well, that's the thing. Uh, is like My number three would be Mel Brooks too, because I mean... Young Frankenstein is the is the inspiration for Monsters Anonymous. Like I meant when I started writing Monsters Anonymous, I wanted it to be a spiritual successor 
to Young Frankenstein. That's what I had in my head the minute I sat to the computer and started writing it. That's what, and that, honestly, you never communicated that with me, and you but I still it, wrote it. Yeah. yeah, I knew it immediately. <laughs> so it's like, I love how ridiculous that movie is. Mm-hmm. And like I always said about Monsters Anonymous is that the jokes in, in Young Frankenstein cannot be told in any other movie because of the subject matter, unless yeah. somebody else decides to make a Frankenstein comedy like an asshole. <laughs> you know? Uh, wait a minute, we made a Frankenstein movie. Strike that from the record. <laughs> so what number Look, I'm going to tell a joke right now that we that we had to... Monsters Anonymous 2 may never happen. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. tell this joke that was in Monsters Anonymous 2 where Frankenstein gets text from, from Dracula... And Frankenstein uses voice to text. Yeah. And, and he sends the message. And then it, when it gets to Dracula, it's like, what would he say? New phone, who this? <laughs> Dude, I laughed about that for two straight days. <laughs> it says, new phone, who this? Like, oh, I, right. could, I could just picture Brian O'Halloran delivering that line. I know. <laughs> oh, it's such a wasted potential. Ugh, so dude. what you're saying is that you have to make Monsters Not On This 2 happen. We have to at some point when we get money. <laughs> just based, based on the strength of that one joke. Yeah. So what number, yeah. What number are we at for you, Jacob? Number three or two? Yeah, my number three is uh, Greg Daniels, who Greg Wally Daniels. might know. Yeah, the creator the of the American Office, uh, the uh, creator of Parks and Rec, Parks and, Rec. And, and he was a writer for SNL, uh, uh, but and I believe, at, yeah, and, and The Simpsons, that's right, that was another one that I had forgot, uh, I was making notes and shit. He has yeah, a new show like, I, I'm going to start watching on Amazon. Yeah, upload, yeah. Uh, I really wanted to get whatever streaming bullshit that was just to watch that. But I um, almost, almost put him on my list. Yeah. Well, I mean, you kind of have to because he created, uh, I think, inarguably, the two best sitcoms of all time, even right. though one's kind of a spinoff of the other one. Well, you know, and, and it's funny because I think that the only other show that I love as much as The Office is The Good Place as far as sitcoms are concerned. And that was Michael Shore, who was also a writer on The Office. Right, so, yeah. From the beginning. So I think that's interesting how that de- the Office DNA is on all of the comedy that I love now. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, I mean, and it's because they're the best sitcoms. Like, the American Office had the best writers and creators, including 100%. Greg Daniels, who just turns everything he touches into success. So, right. yeah, my number three is Greg Daniels. I think we're uh, on number writer. two for Wally now. Yes, number two for me is Mike Judge. Oh, yeah, Mike Judge. It, it, uh, you know, he is, he sees the human condition and then twists it in such a way where we can recognize it, but it's saying something about it. Yeah. Even if you can't see it while it's happening. Yep. Like, Beavis and Butthead is so much deeper than what you would see on the surface. <laughs> Yep. Office Space is incredible. And I'm not even going to talk about that other movie that became a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's K 
King of the Hill, which is also a Greg Daniels joint. <laughs> and, uh, it's just, he is so good at making social commentary look effortless and as if it's not even there. And I really, I really love his work. Yeah. Yeah, I think Office Space is probably one of the greatest comedies of all time. Oh, yeah. In the top five, easily. Uh, yeah, it's an instant classic. Right. I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at once. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. I'm going to do that around here. They get punched, yeah. man. <laughs> I reckon I you get your... building down. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for your cornhole, buddy. <laughs> uh, my number yeah, two... Um... My number two would be uh, Bill Lawrence, who did Scrubs. Like, I have seen Scrubs so many times because I love that show so much. It's my favorite TV show. And if you have not seen Scrubs, I highly recommend it. Right. So, yeah, my. What were you going to say, Wally? No, I, I was going to say, yeah, so it, it, is, it is one of the better sitcoms out there. So I am 100% with you. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I, I loved watching Scrubs. I haven't watched it as an adult. I watched it when it was on, and I was, I think it ended when I was a teenager. And if you guys so haven't I really need seen, to give it a rewatch. If you guys haven't listened to it, there's a new podcast with uh, Zach Braff and Donald Faison called uh, "Real Friends Fake Doctors," where they're doing a, a rewatch <laughs> of all the Scrubs episodes, and they've had on. You know, all the different uh, characters, like other people that were on the show. They've had Bill Lawrence on. Um, they've had, you know, they're going to be, they're only on like episode 10 or 11 or something right now. But they're, it's so good. It's like listening to two old friends just talk about, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's a really fun, fun listen. Especially yeah, if you're a given- fan. Yeah, just just giving those millionaires some free uh, press here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my number two is Judd Apatow, man. Oh yeah, I knew, uh, I knew one of us was going to say that. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because that's my kind of comedy movie. Like, whenever I'm watching movies, I usually don't even watch comedies because my life is obsessed with comedy. Hmm. So I usually watch an action movie or something to take my mind off of everything because comedy is my fucking life. Right. But Judd Apatow writing films like uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin, Super Bad, uh, Knocked Up, fucking just every... He just knocks out bangers out of the park. Dude, 40-Year-Old Virgin is still like one of the best comedies of all time. It really is. It really is. I mean, it, it was so good that it launched Steve Carell's career. Yeah. And essentially launched The Office because yeah, yeah, that really yeah. made Steve Carell a superstar. Yeah, The Office uh, was going to get canceled. And the 40-year-old virgin stopped that from happening. And for that, I thank him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really weird because Judd Apatow is actually like a really shitty stand-up, but he makes some of the greatest right. comedy yeah. movies ever. <laughs> Did you see, did you see I've what, seen his. I saw his special. It's not great. Did you see what uh, Joey Diaz said about him? On <laughs> I, yeah. Oh my god, that made me I, laugh. <clears throat> I strive to be Joey Diaz. Oh, I know. That in dude, every situation, that dude is fearless, man. Like has he has zero fucks to give. 
Yeah, for sure. All right, so we're on to number one. Wally, what's your number one? Can anybody guess? Um, Wally Phelps. Dan Aykroyd. That's right. No, I'm kidding. You are very close. Robert Harold Zemeckis. Ramis. Oh, Harold Ramis. I was go- he was going to be my uh, third pick. <laughs> Harold Ramis, uh, of course, Ghostbusters. He- he's the guy that made it funny. Uh, but yeah. you also got to look at Caddyshack. You got to look at Groundhog Day, which oh, I think yeah. is one of the greatest movies of all time as well. Which is, uh, Meatball, which is... Stripes. Oh, he is Stripes. a brilliant screenwriter. Stripes is one of my favorite comedies. Uh, That's the fact, Jack. Yes. <laughs> my favorite line in the movie is like, are either of you men gay? No, sir, but we are willing to learn. <laughs> oh, no, he's like, are you either one of you homosexual? No, sir, but we are willing to learn. That was like my favorite line in the movie. <laughs> It's just, he was, he came out of the Second City uh, as a sketch writer, and he uh, was up there with the masters, like, you know, Martin Short, Catherine O'Hara, Rick Moranis, uh, John Candy, and he was basically writing for all of these brilliant people, so he had the tools behind the typewriter at the time anyway (laughs) to to make these people even funnier than they already were and he launched so many people as well and with all of these classic 80s movies that still hold up today because if you go back and watch other 80s movies like poor shush (laughs) like uh porky (laughs) yeah my cat oh great now she's on my computer hold on a second nope (laughs) Get down. This is why you don't get cats, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right. Try to break my damn work computer. Um, but the uh, but the thing is with with him, if you go back and look at other 80s comedies like Porky's or Revenge of the Nerds, yeah, they're okay, but they are not great. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, they are not... I mean, it's iconic scenes and stuff like that, but these movies do not age well at all. Yeah. Uh, But Ghostbusters is brilliant. (laughs) Caddyshack is okay. (laughs) And (laughs) I like Caddyshack too better. And uh, the... But I'm the only guy in the world that says that. But Groundhog Day is a masterpiece yeah. uh, of of cinema, and he wrote and direct. Uh, you know, he 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 was, and he directed an episode of The Office. So there. Yeah. So what about yeah. you, Jake? I wonder. <clears throat> yeah, I wonder if he would have not made that movie if he knew that it would get ripped off by every TV show ever. Oh yeah. Because I mean, <laughs> every every show has a Groundhog Day episode yeah. where the main characters are just stuck in a time loop. And then there's the the show Russian Doll that just made that the show. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I watched the first episode of that and I was like, you know, I don't know, I like this. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So if you're listening, Netflix, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, Netflix. Natasha Leone, I blame you personally for this. And fuck you, Natasha Leone. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, uh, analyze this is also one of my favorite movies of the of the early two thousands. I mean, it, it's Harold Ramis. I think is kind of slept on because people don't realize how much of an influence he was to people. Yeah. And I, 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 when he died, whenever he passed away, I literally wanted to leave work. I was so distraught. I felt it, it was almost like I had heard my dad had passed yeah. away. It was, it was bad. It was a bad day. <clears throat> that and, was how I felt uh, when Neil Peart died. <laughs> Yeah, I was because crazy. you know that's that's how I felt when Stan Lee died. Right. Yeah. See, I mean, it's one of those things. There's only three celebrity deaths that ever hit me like that, and that's Harold Ramis, uh, Stan Lee, and uh, the uh, I can't think of. It. I wanted to say Snape. That's not his name. <laughs> Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. <laughs> Alan Rickman. Uh, right. I'm like, no, fuck you, Wally. Alan <laughs> Rickman deserves a name. So, but yeah, Hans Gruber, Bill Hans Gruber, the Metatron. Yeah, Clay. <laughs> yeah, he was Bill. Clay. But uh... <laughs> so, what about you, Jacob? What was your number one? Yeah, my number one's Mel Brooks. I, I think Mel Brooks is the greatest comedy writer of all time. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, you look at films like uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, uh, Blazing Saddles, uh, Spaceballs, and there's just, it's such little comedy in it, you know? You know what I'm saying? Just the yeah, little yeah. lines that just put you on the floor laughing. And like in Robin Hood, Men in Tights, where they go by and whip the hands, and then they all come up as a middle finger. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just, it's some of the best comedy I've ever seen in my life. And I was watching those movies when I was like seven years old. So that's probably why I'm a comedian now. Yeah. Because my mind just got corrupted that young. But yeah, uh, I remember my parents buying uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights on pay per view. And <laughs> yeah. And I loved it. My parents thought it was a waste of money. And, you know, I'm like, but he's making fun of Robin hood and the tropes of the genre. I don't understand what's not funny about yeah. this. My parents just did, you know, they were kind of a surface level type, uh, you know, and yeah. uh, it's like whatever they pulled out the script, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to lose. And he starts flipping through the script. Fuck. Yeah. That was funny. <laughs> and specifically just shitting all over the horrible Kevin Costner, Robin hood. With, uh, <laughs> Carrie Yule saying, oh, I can actually do a British accent. Right. <laughs> that is a wild pig. That is a wild boar. <laughs> yeah. It's... And Dave Chappelle's first major film role yeah. was right. Robin Hood Men in Tights. It's... <laughs> it's like, hey, Blinken, did you just say Abe Lincoln? Hmm. I didn't say no <laughs> Abe Lincoln. I said, hey, Blinken. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's good shit. Oh, the the when when Dave Chappelle was uh, shooting the arrow to to save uh, Robin and, and it hits the rope and he falls down from the gallows and he's like, "That was an amazing shot." Tell you the truth, I was aiming for the execution. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was good stuff. 
Um, for my number one is going to be Mr. John Hughes. I mean, how could you not have John Hughes on a favorite comedy writer list? I mean, some of the best movies of all time. I mean, I knew you would have it on there, so I didn't put it there. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Weird Science, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Breakfast Club. I mean, some of the greatest movies of all time. He's had, he's got to be the number one on my list. I mean, that, that list of credits is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, the only, there's only a couple of stinkers on there. <laughs> like, Not Curly many. Sue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, vacation, but, the vacation movies. I mean, let's see, what else did he have? Let me look on here. Um, dude, he did a Wonderful World of Disney episode? I didn't know that. This man's <laughs> going the extra mile by having his Wikipedia page yeah, up I on know. his other computer. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I love every single one of these movies. I mean, I, I watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles every year for Thanksgiving. I watch Weird Science all the time because that's probably in my top, one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. And like, I don't know, The Breakfast Club was kind of a, an, a I don't know, a, a very formative movie for me, especially as a young kid. And even to this day, I think it still resonates with young kids because it just captures what it's like to be a teenager so perfectly. I mean, they really need to update it, but yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, yeah, there are, there's the argument for why, why remake stuff, but um, it does have that, timeless quality to it yeah. to a point you know what i'm saying yes it's a there are parts of it that's of its time but uh and that's what i was talking about a second ago where i'm like oh, this, this thing is kind of cringy but at the same time the overall message of it is as relevant today as as it was whenever it was released so i I'm, yeah i'm i'm right there agreeing with you yes well, and Uncle Buck is yeah, yeah. amazing. <laughs> I'm Harry Moley's wart. <laughs> Home Alone. Home Alone is my little girl's favorite movie yeah. of all time. And that's a John Hughes film. Yes, it is. It is. And I like that movie, too. I love that movie as a kid. It still holds up as an adult. Man, those guys would have been so dead. <laughs> yeah, they would have. Or horribly injured. <laughs> right. <laughs> But that brings us to the end of the episode, guys. Um, I think Jacob may be frozen because he's looking at me all weird in Discord. Approach. Right <laughs> uh, he I, caught a loach. I, it's looking at me <laughs> with your approach. <laughs> uh, That's yep, so funny. Uh, yep, he said Discord just crashed. So I'm going to go ahead and end the episode here. And, well, that's uh, shame. Yeah, thank you, Wally, for, for joining us here on uh, Open Micers Episode 2. I hope you uh, – it's been nice being on a podcast with been, you again. Yeah, it's been too long. You know, I'm glad I got this computer so it could be possible. Yeah. So Thank uh, you, the government. So thank you guys for watching us in the Twitch uh, on Twitch tonight. I think this is going to be our home instead of Facebook Live. And uh, go check us out um, on Facebook, uh, Open Micers Podcast. And uh, we're going to have a Twitter up really soon, too, so you guys can follow us over there. And if you want to listen to the uh, 
the audio version of this will be up on our uh, SoundCloud at Open Micers on SoundCloud. And uh, I'm going to have it up on iTunes really, really soon. So thank you guys. And um, we will see you next week with an RG guest will be Mr. Eric Paul Scarabin. So good night, everyone, and we'll see you next week.